Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to follow stats, storylines, games, players, and all the craziness that goes on in the world of professional volleyball. My name is Dan, and today we are going to do kind of a combined recap of the second round of Nations League, as well as do a preview for the third round, which is just coming up in a couple of days. For those of you who didn't listen to the last podcast, I was actually in Ottawa for the round of Nations League that included Canada, Germany, Serbia, and Australia. So I'll talk a bit more about that experience as I did the last podcast in Ottawa with Everett from Volleyball Source. So if you want more of a in-depth look into the weekend and our experiences there, you can listen to the My Past podcast. But for this one, I would say that if you have a chance to go see one of the Nations League matches in person this summer, or even any of the other tournaments that are going on, I would highly, highly recommend you go check it out it's super fun really exciting to see live i've said this before but you get way more of an appreciation for how fast and how physical the game is plus the players are fairly accessible so if you want to take a picture or something after usually on most teams their players are more than willing to indulge you for a bit to start off the recap though not really the best weekend for team canada They did get a five-set win over Germany and a three-set win over Australia, but a pretty tough five-set loss to Serbia on the Sunday match. Normally, I wouldn't be too worried losing to Serbia, usually a very good team, but in this case, they were bringing none of their star players, even none of their starters, even Jovovic wasn't playing, so I think myself and a lot of other fans expected Canada to win in a fairly straightforward manner and complete the sweep of the weekend. Didn't happen, however. Serbia played a great match, pretty good from the service line. My opinion on Dusan Pekovic has definitely improved after watching him play in person all weekend. Guy is super athletic. He's basically like a mini Ivan Zaitsev. He's a pretty big guy, but still a few inches shorter than Zaitsev. He had 18 points in this one, including three aces. Milan Kadic with four aces. Serbia definitely did a lot of damage with their serve in this one. I definitely give a lot of credit to Serbia, but Canada did make 41 errors, which is crazy in this game compared to only 19 for Serbia. Just incredibly sloppy game from the Canadians. I do still think they're one of the most talented teams in this tournament, but we've already seen them put up two stinkers in the first weekend against Bulgaria, now against Serbia, so... That game made their chances of qualifying for Final Six significantly harder. Other important results in this pool, Serbia actually beating Germany, coming back. They were up 2-0, came back the last three games. Again, the Serbian team, despite losing to Australia, strangely enough, actually had a pretty good weekend. Three five-setters, a bit tough on the body, but these guys, you know, they're not guys who get to play on the Senior A team very often, so they're definitely going at maximum effort. May not be the most skilled players in the entire tournament, but they can serve hard, they can hit hard, and when everything's clicking, they're actually a lot tougher to beat than I would have expected. I don't expect any Final Six showings or anything, unless the main starter guys come back like next week, but still pretty cool to see. In Pool 7 with Japan, Argentina, Brazil, and Iran, Iran continues to have a very impressive performance in the Nations League, crushing Japan. It was closer than the score showed, 3-0, but a couple of those sets were very close until the end, but nonetheless, really good job by Iran. Also, taking Brazil to five sets, pretty surprising. Brazil 
mostly running with their A-team lineup, or at least four out of seven starters on their A-team. So Iran at the top of the standing, still looking very impressive, get to play at home the next two weekends in a row. So I wouldn't say they're a lock for the final six yet. We'll see what happens over the next two weekends, but they're definitely a big favorite to make it. Japan had another weird weekend, crushing Argentina, then losing to both Brazil and Iran in three sets. Again, this is just a strange team. They're really good, I think, when they start Ishikawa, Yanagida, and Nishida, but it also depends on the matchup. Japan really struggles with the big teams, the hard-serving teams that can take them out of their serve receive that denies that first tempo option from them. Japan is not great when relying on out-of-system balls. Argentina, with their loss to Japan this weekend, again, like they're, they're probably out of contention for Final Six by now. I think we can pretty much confirm that. Brazil still looks pretty good. They're sending good players, but they are getting the wins. The only undefeated team left in the tournament, although they have had a few scares winning three of their games in five sets. But safe to say I was right to uh, have them number two in my power rankings in the preseason. They're definitely looking like a huge, huge threat in this tournament, as Brazil tends to be. One of the pools that I was kind of looking forward to this weekend ended up being not the most exciting thing in Russia, Italy, USA, and Portugal. The USA is really milking their guaranteed spot in the final six. This weekend they sent a lot of younger guys, including Mika Ma'a, TJ DeFalco, Kyle D'Agostino, who just graduated from Stanford University. And they did have Micah Christensen and Max Holt, but they didn't play all of the matches. And I definitely do enjoy watching the younger guys play, especially players that I've seen a lot at the NCAA level, like Mika Ma'a. thought he did a really good job setting this weekend. I think that's going to be his position for the future. I think he's also better than Josh Tuaniga, a lot more of an athlete, definitely less of a blocking liability with Josh Tuaniga. As we've discussed before, that was actually a bit surprising for me that Tuaniga was so easily exploited as a blocker. Also, Michael Ma getting in at the outside hitter position against Portugal. So he did play outside and setter this weekend. Although I do think the outside thing is a bit of a novelty. I don't know if that's the position I see him playing for USA in the Olympics and for his pro teams. It's definitely really cool to see a player just move so fluidly between two positions. It's not something you see a lot of in volleyball. You see players switch positions, but usually it's like, okay, I've been a setter for the last five years. Now I'm going to be an opposite hitter for the next five years. It's not like, all right, waking up today. Now I'm an outside hitter. So cool to see that, but I think setting is definitely the better position for him. Kyle D'Agostino definitely didn't impress too much, especially on the defensive end. He missed quite a few easy pickups, kind of contrasted with all the great international liberos we've seen. I think I'd like to see Larry Tuilita a bit. I really liked watching him on Hawaii a couple years ago, and I think he has a little more potential at the libero position. As for the rest of the pool, Russia impressed a home crowd, getting the maximum number of points possible. Igor Kliuka still is insane. So impressive. So creative with the ball. He's a monster. I think maybe the tallest outside hitter in the game at over 6'10", but still has such a great feel for the ball. Not afraid to use off-speed shots. Not afraid to wipe the ball off the block. Sees the court really well. I guess it helps. You probably just can see over top of everyone, but impressive nonetheless. I also really like Russia's young middle Ivan Yakovlev. He played with Igor Kliuka and Dmitry Volkov on Fekal Novi Erangoy last year, so a lot of Russian starters from that program, but Yakovlev really impressed me with his ability to get out to the pins this weekend. 
he's got good feet for his size of 6'9", and hits the ball hard enough that not a lot of times you are returning it. So I think he could be part of the conversation for Rush in the middle, along with Kirkiev and Vlasov. Italy continues to be actually pretty decent, beating the US 3-1, although that match was pretty close. Gabriele Nelly once again looked really good this weekend. Second highest score of Nations League so far, only one point behind Shawan Vernon Evans. Still can't believe he was on the bench under Vittorio all year. I, I think he is the better player. Italy's sitting at 4-2 and two right now with a couple of fairly easy pools ahead of them. So they definitely have a shot at making final six. I will say that once Gianelli or Nelly or Oleg Antonov leave, their chances get a lot, lot harder. But their young guys have looked decent at times. Aresto Cavuto has been the starter for most of the tournament so far, like we predicted on the preview podcast. But also the young middles look great. Alberto Russo and Alberto Polo have both been really impressive. It's kind of strange that a lot of Italy's best young players are at the middle position. Because usually when you think of Italy, you think of maybe really good setters or really good wing spikers. But their middles recently have been producing some top-notch guys. And then the last pool, the last pool of this tournament taking place in China, which I'm pretty happy about because it's probably the most painful time zone for those of us living in North America. Games are on very early in the morning. But this pool went mostly as expected, except for a couple results. Bulgaria losing to China, 3-0, was a pretty much a complete blowout. China looked like a way better team. And then Bulgaria turning around and beating actually a fairly competent French team, even if it is mostly their B team. Like I, I would not have expected Bulgaria to be able to take matches against France but not against China. The team continues to be a bit of an enigma, play really well one day and kind of struggle the next. The Penchev bros leading the way in this one. It's my favorite part of Bulgaria when Nikolay and Rosalind Penchev play together and it's funny too because they're very different players. Nikolay Penchev, one of those kind of back row specialist outside hitters, doesn't have a lot of athleticism or hitting ability but really nice as a passer and actually a pretty decent server as well. Rosalind Penchev, a little bit of the opposite, still a good server, but way more of an offensive option than a defensive option. Had 17 points in this one, 15 kills. I also really like Bulgaria's 24-year-old opposite. Okay, I might mess this one up, but Velazar Chernokozev, he's huge at 7 feet tall as an opposite hitter. Love that. Definitely helps out when you're 7 feet tall blocking all those really strong opposing outside hitters. Still has a lot to learn as a hitter. He's a big guy, doesn't really get off the ground too much. Still needs to work on hitting angles, getting block touches, but I think the potential is still there to improve a bit more. And I hope we see him play outside of Bulgaria next year. So I'll just end the recap part of this podcast by talking about a few of the players from the teams that I watched in person and... A few of the observations I had and changes in opinion. Start with Germany. Their middles are absolutely massive. Germany and Team Canada were hanging out kind of in the Zamboni entrance before the game started. And Gord Perrin was standing next to Tobias Crick and Anton Brehm. And he just looked like a gnome compared to those two. They are massive and still really young too. So it's it's a little weird to see very young faces on those huge bodies but I think Germany has a ton of potential in the middle I think a few German fans 
are rightly concerned that some of their outside hitters like Ruben Shaw, David Sossenheimer, and Moritz Richard have not looked quite as good as we expected them to, but I think they're still in a good position going forward, but it looks like their better prospects will come out of the middle position rather than the outside hitter position as maybe some people expected. On Australia, I really liked their backup setter, Arash Dosanj. He had to be pretty much the tallest player on the team. I know I've talked about him before, but I just think he's such a unique threat at the setter position that you have to game plan specifically for, because he is a huge threat with that high contact point at 6-7 and decent hops to attack the ball. I think if he could just clean up his hands a bit, especially going behind him and getting his middles a few more looks even when he's out of position, I think he can definitely be a starting setter on kind of a mid-level club team. And I do think he is better than their captain, Harrison Peacock. So if Australia does play important matches at the Olympic qualifiers this summer, I think Dosan should get the start. Also, I know people have pointed this out before, but Australia is hilarious to watch in person. Their bench is so much fun, kind of dancing around before each game, really interacting with the crowd, always seem to be in a good mood, even though obviously they haven't really had the results that they want to get. Definitely would recommend going to a game and watching them if you get the opportunity. Also, another funny anecdote about Australia. On Friday, when we went to go watch the team practices before the uh, tournament. Australia, I think, spent literally spent half to two-thirds of their practice playing volus, which, if you don't know, it's when you kind of like bump back and forth over the net. If the ball drops, the other team scores, and basically you only get one touch to put it back over, kind of like tennis, hence the name volus, combination of volleyball and tennis. But it's just funny watching Canada and Serbia do these super serious practices where they're working through all their skills and then Australia is playing volus. Not to say that, you know, it's morning practice. It's just to get a few touches and get a feel for the ball. And Mark Lebedeo is obviously an incredible coach. knows what he's doing, but it's just kind of funny to see. And then on Serbia, I think I came away more impressed by all of their wings, including Lazar Sirovic and Milan Kadic and Dusan Pekovic. They definitely get overshadowed by all the superstars that are on the Serbian team. And even on their club teams, a few of them don't get the spotlight, but all three are really competent players, much better servers than I had thought before. And the fact that they're playing this well while being set by Todorovic is pretty good because Todorovic was missing a lot of sets, especially to the C-ball. I know he's a young guy, only 21 years old, but still... I hope they have other setters in the pipeline because I don't know if Todorovic is the answer after Jovovic. So I think that's going to be it for the recap. And since we are already so close to next weekend's games, why don't we just do the preview right now? Look at the pools for round three, how they stack up. So let's start with pool nine. Portugal, Brazil, China, and Serbia. Definitely the weakest pool this weekend in my opinion. Nice to see that Portugal will have some winnable games. In their first VNL home round, I expect Brazil to sweep this pool. We've seen Serbia, though. We've seen them pose a challenge to some good teams this tournament. So if there's any team that's going to beat them, probably the Serbia B team. And who knows? Still don't know if we're going to see any of their good guys for weekend three. Seems unlikely at this point, though. And it's definitely an important game for Portugal in terms of, like, as a challenger team. Want to make sure they stay in the tournament. Remember that Portugal... Bulgaria, Canada, and Australia, the last place team out of those four will drop out of Nations League for 2020. And a couple winnable games here for Portugal against China and Serbia. Not guaranteed by any means, but I think Portugal can definitely beat China, especially at home. 
And I think if they lose that game, it could be a very dangerous position for Portugal. Only one win so far in the tournament against Bulgaria in the first weekend. But Brazil will probably remain undefeated after this weekend. It'd be kind of fun to watch them go undefeated the entire tournament. 15-0 would be cool to see, but when teams play this many times, usually they lose focus for at least one. In the next pool, we have Bulgaria, Japan, Italy, and Australia. Probably the most at stake for Bulgaria as a challenger team. Again, like Portugal, they actually have a couple of winnable matches, probably against any of these teams if Bulgaria is on their game. We've also seen Bulgaria play very poorly, could very well lose all these matches too. We'll see if they get any reinforcements in the form of Yosefov, potentially. Maybe Salparov makes his return, but if there's any week to send a few more reinforcements, I think this is the one for Bulgaria. Japan, we are no man's land. Not at the bottom, not at the top. Probably not going to make it to Final 6. And without a Olympic qualifying tournament this summer, they don't exactly have a lot to practice for or fight for. It's a fun team to watch, though, if you get the chance. I really like the libero Yamamoto. I mean, I swear Japan just has like half a dozen super high-quality liberos. They seem to have a new guy every year that impresses me a lot. So check him out if you have a chance. Australia, like Bulgaria, will also desperately be looking for wins in this pool. Only one win so far, tied with Portugal at the bottom of the challenger teams. The Bulgaria-Australia game on Friday will definitely be an intense one, maybe determine who gets knocked out of the tournament, potentially. Italy also with a little bit to fight for. You know, they definitely still have a shot at Final Six. We'll see what team shows up in Bulgaria. Will Gianelli keep playing, even though he's already satisfied the requirements of playing in two rounds of Nations League? Maybe we'll see Spiritoli or Spirito. Will Antonov keep playing? Italy with some very important tournaments this summer with the European Championships and Olympic qualifying tournaments. So definitely they don't want to push their star players too hard. It's also a good time to talk about the overall standings as a whole. We have a bunch of teams at 4-2 and two and a bunch of teams at 2-4. and four. A lot of teams at 2-4. and four. Argentina, USA, Serbia, Japan, Bulgaria, Germany, all with two wins four losses doesn't necessarily completely put them out of the race for final six but it makes it very unlikely meaning we realistically have most of the teams in competition for final six brazil iran france russia italy canada poland and the usa with two and four but they automatically make it to final six so we basically have seven teams fighting for the last five spots which makes this next pool really interesting taking place in Iran. So Iran is playing, Canada's playing, Poland is playing, and Russia. So a lot of good teams, all of them in that mix for the final six that I mentioned earlier. We already know the lineups for Canada and Poland. I don't know if you guys know or have heard this yet, but Danin Gimma, or Kofi Kid, will be making his first Canadian senior team appearance this weekend. He's not guaranteed to start or anything, but based on the way Glenn Hogue has played it so far, he'll probably play at least one game, so I'm very excited for him to make his f- debut with the Canadian national team. We're, we've had a few podcasts kind of wondering when it's going to happen. Well, here's your answer. It's happening now. Poland kind of bringing a mix of younger and older guys, Kowanowski and Karl Klosz returning to the Polish national team in the middle, Lukasz Kaczmarek and Kowanowski at opposite, Szelpuk, Szlifka, Szwolek, on the wings, Lomash and Lukas Kozub at the center position, 
and then some younger liberos. So maybe some unfamiliar faces for some of you in Poppy Shack and Grushinsky. I actually really liked Poppy Shack on Zestrebshia Vegil this year in the Polish Plus Liga. Poland's pretty stacked at the libero position right now. But at 23 years old, I think Papyshak does have uh, potential to fill in for Zatorski once he decides to retire. So this game, huge implications, especially between Canada and Poland on who makes the final six. Canada, I think, really wants to win at least two or three games in this pool. Unfortunately, they are going to miss some of their best players, including Gord Perrin and Graham Vigras. Instead, opting to send kind of a younger team, Eric Lepke, Brandon Coppers, Stephen Marr, and Jason DeRocco, and then Brett Walsh, Adam Schreimer, etc. So still no TJ, and I believe Blair Ban and Stephen Marshall are still there at the libero position. Losing to Iran and Poland would really hamper their chances at Final Six. Not sure if Poland even wants to make Final Six, but given the sheer talent of everyone on the roster, they may end up qualifying against their wishes. Russia also hasn't really released a roster for next weekend either. They basically had the same guys in weekend one and weekend two, so maybe there's a chance we see Klyuko, Volkov, Kovalev, Kobzar, Golubev, all those guys once again, but not guaranteed. With Russia, it's the same thing as Poland, though. Even if they send their B-team guys, they're still going to be a very tough opponent to beat. And then our last pool for next weekend, France, Argentina, USA, Germany, taking place in France. So we might see a couple of the French A-team guys join the team at this point. Not guaranteed, but if they're going to join the team, might as well be in France. I believe I saw Irvin Engapet was with the team based on Instagram stories. So we might see him and maybe a Tani Udi or Kevin LaRue. Not, not that the French B-team guys have been playing badly by any means. Only one loss so far with some pretty good teams they've played so far. So just goes to show how impressively deep this new age French volleyball program is. Not a ton of interesting stories in this one though. USA and France are guaranteed and almost guaranteed to make the final six. Argentina and Germany, maybe if they have a brilliant weekend this weekend they can turn things around, but still unlikely that either team will be able to do that and even the best case scenario, only one of them can go 3-0 and this weekend. So definitely I think the two matches of the weekend in Pool 10, Bulgaria versus Australia taking place on Friday is one that I would definitely check out just for the implications in terms of sending one team down as a challenger. And then in Pool 11, I think Canada versus Poland will be a really exciting match just because, you know, whoever wins that one will have a much greater shot at making the final six. But also really any game between Poland, Iran, and Canada and any, any of those three teams facing off against each other is, is going to be some exciting volleyball. All really strong teams, too. And also, the Polish team is going into what I imagine to be very hostile territory. If you didn't know, Mikhail Kubiak made some remarks about Iranian players and fans, received a six-game suspension from the Polish Volleyball Federation. He said he received some fairly disgusting comments from opposing Iranian players and fans, but... In my opinion, still not really an excuse to make the public comments that he did about an entire country of people not really acceptable, especially for a role model and athlete at this level. So anyway, Poland is going to have a lot of people cheering against them, so that, that, that'll be a really fun game to watch as well. As, as long as no one gets hurt and everyone kind of respects the boundaries that exist in professional sports. 
And I hope no one boos any injuries, as unfortunately some of my fellow Canadian Toronto Raptors fans did on Monday against the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Given my schedule the last week, I did have to combine the preview and review shows. Hopefully we'll go back to the regular schedule for next week, but I, I think I managed to fit pretty much everything in. Even though we haven't seen all of the stars so far at Nations League, I've actually really been enjoying the tournament. We've seen a lot of young players, we've seen a lot of new faces, maybe players who fans haven't been able to watch before, so it hasn't been quite as disastrous as I think some people expected. Also in other news, in the European Golden League, the Netherlands and Turkey have both qualified for the Final Four. Remember that the top teams in that tournament will compete in the Challenger Cup, which determines who will take part in next year's Volleyball Nations League. Netherlands are a very strong opponent, probably better than a few of the Nations League teams, with Namir Abdelaziz, Tiz Terhorst, who was the leading scorer in the game today against Estonia. Turkey, also a fun team to watch. Emre Batur is a huge guy in the middle. Adnis Lagumzija, one of the best volleyball prospects in the world. An absolutely explosive opposite who just keeps getting better every time I watch him. And then Belarus, Latvia, Ukraine, Czech Republic, still in the mix for a Final Four spot. Some pretty good teams in this tournament. Definitely a lot of these teams could compete in the Volleyball Nations League. Europe, very strong country, lots of good depth across the board. Unfortunately, this tournament does suffer from some of the same problems as Nations League in that a lot of players just coming off of club seasons. So guys like Derue, Zavaronic, and all other kind of higher tier players often not taking part. Of course, don't blame them. The schedule for volleyball players is insane, as we've discussed many times before. And of course, a lot of teams are saving themselves for the European Championships in September, which I am super, super excited for. Anyway, that's going to be it from me today. Probably do a mailbag podcast Friday. So keep your eyes on the Instagram stories if you want to get a question in. We haven't done one for Nations League so far, so I'm excited to see what you guys have to ask. Hope you enjoy this round of Nations League. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of great matches coming up, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks.